On the Grit and Grace podcast, we shine the spotlight on the stories behind the leader. I find that there is a woman who comes to it wanting a change, right? Feeling I'm not quite on the right path. But for others, it is the sense of, I'm not fully showing up as myself. I feel like I'm holding back. I feel like I'm trying to fit a mold within this role instead of being my authentic self in this role. Are you feeling like you're at the crossroads of change? This episode's for you. As leaders, we often iterate on our products or our lines of business, but how often do we iterate on ourselves? What if there is more within us trying to emerge? Join me as I sit down with founder and visionary Kena Paranjape. We'll explore how to navigate the seasons of change and discuss real-world practical tips that you can apply when you are ready to meet the next version of you. Your next chapter awaits. Kena, thank you so much for being with us today. I was recommended to you by a colleague of mine who just said you're a phenomenal uh, entrepreneur, woman, pioneer, and I just wanted to kind of just open with a bit of the backstory so that you could, in your own words, kind of share your journey and Mm -hmm. kind of where you started from, how you kind of rose through your businesses, ultimately what happened, and more importantly, how is that now informing your work? Thank you for those kind words. I hadn't really um, had a lot of entrepreneurial influence in my Mm -hmm. life, but I always had this like sort of longing to do something creative and I couldn't really pinpoint what that was. So after I did my BSc in environmental science and geography, I decided against the typical next path. And I started to explore what, you know, a role in the business world would look like. Um, And that sort of that following the thread has been a theme through my Mm. whole life. And so I spent most of my career from then on working in the retail industry on the merchandising and marketing side. I've worked for big brands like Gap and Old Navy, um, Banana Republic, Joe Fresh, and um, had some entrepreneurial ventures in there as well. So um, co-founded a business called Bricka, which was all about highlighting under the radar artisans and designers. Oh, wow. I often say that there is what is on your LinkedIn profile, Mm -hmm. and then there is a whole life that happens that's not on the bullet points in your LinkedIn profile. And I feel like for me, my professional journey has um, now come to a point where both of those things have interwoven and led me to where I am today. I think everybody gets to a crossroads or a seasons of change, whether they're in a job or career or something, and they can feel there's another chapter of Mm -hmm. their life. Like something is trying to birth. Yes. Um, How would you advise people to kind of find that for themselves? Is there any Mm -hmm. techniques or Mm -hmm. tips that Mm -hmm. you offer people through some of your programs when they're really up against that crossroads trying to figure out what is that thread that I need to pull for myself? I think for me, it's about remembering that there is a part of you that is naturally drawn to certain things. Like that part of you exists and it may have been programmed out of you because it's like, go to school, go take this degree, now go get a job. And so that like that side of you that has interests and curiosities and that like has this desire to explore and to try new things, that part of you still exists. So that's sort of like the first phase is to remind yourself that exists. And then it's having the bravery to go and do some of those things, right? Like to go 
um, like to write an article, if you love to write and if you always had sort of a natural inclination is to start to explore. And I think one of the hardest things for women, um, especially as you become more experienced mm -hmm. and you become more successful in the sort of thing that you do is feeling like you're new again at something. Oh, right. Wow. Yes. I think that's like a very difficult thing for um, for us to wrap our heads around, it feels very uncomfortable when we've worked so hard to achieve this level of success and to have people see us a certain way and then to go and, you know, not toss that out, but put it aside in order to show up in a new way. That is a very uncomfortable feeling for women. So I think it's acknowledging that and saying, how important is it for me to live a full life? right? Like really how important is that? And if your answer is it's very important, which I would hope for most people it is, then, then are you willing to go through that discomfort to accept your mediocrity when you're starting something new um, in order to live that life that you desire to live, right? It's a trade-off, but it's a, absolutely a worthwhile one. And why do you think it's so hard for people to be back in the mediocrity or the beginner's awareness again? Is it fear? Is it that we're just comfortable in the familiar? Like, I think what happens is as we, you know, get older, especially like even into just into our thirties, we start to question what success means to us. Right. And, and then we start to realize that, okay, maybe success isn't exactly for me the way it's been defined right mm -hmm. and there's like a a resistance that happens you know because you're like no but i'm on this path and i'm doing all the right things um and so i think that that's where that comes from is again like this over identification of um the role and the success that we've achieved and what it may mean if we start to you know choose yeah. a different path choose a different path or change how we identify with the role. Yes. So I know there's a lot of women who they do, they are in that VP role, mm -hmm. they've, you know, and they're making great money mm -hmm. and they're, it's affording them a great place with their family, but maybe the crossroads is not change your job. Maybe the crossroads is don't over identify with the value other people are placing on yes, you or absolutely. it's like what's tugging you every day yes. to your work. Yes. And the minute you can kind of heal those identifications or those old patterns, you can be a bit more free in the role. Yes. A hundred percent. It doesn't mean you have to one up and quit your job tomorrow. Yes. Right? I, and I'm so glad you said that because even in my group programs, I find that there is a woman who comes to it wanting a change, yeah. right? Feeling I'm not quite on the right path. But for others it is the sense of I'm not fully showing up as myself. Yeah. I feel like I'm holding back. I feel like I'm trying to fit a mold yes. within this role instead of being my authentic self in this role. So I'm very glad you brought that up because um, I think that's a huge piece of it is yeah. reflecting on like, how do I want to show up? How do I want to lead? And you can absolutely do that right where you are once you've done that inner work. And I am thinking of that woman who does have the great VP role or mm -hmm. director role or executive uh, role. And she is feeling tired and exhausted. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not because of the job, but maybe yeah. it's because of the, the, the way she's associating herself in the role or looking for the, the validation from, you know, everyone in the room. 
what are some real practical ways that people can start to make a change and loosening that identification? Yeah. I mean, I think the first one is it's so simple, but start taking some time for yourself. Yes. I am amazed at how many women do not take any time for themselves. But if you don't give yourself space to reflect, to think, to see what comes up, then you're just sort of caught on that hamster wheel. So the first thing I would say is, and and it can't just be like once every two weeks or once a month, like you need ideally daily time for yourself, right? So that you can listen to that inner voice, listen to your intuition see, you know, reflect on what feels good and what doesn't feel good. We need to get some clarity first to begin with. Yeah. Um, And then I think it's like asking yourself what you need. And sometimes that involves boundaries. Sometimes that involves support, you know. Um, But the next step, if I were going to, you know, sort of give two steps, it would be carve out space for yourself. Yeah. Critical. Yeah. Um, And second would be to ask yourself, what do I need? Uh, I see this all the time with really ambitious people, especially um, that have had to kind of overcome a lot of adversity and they can keep going and keep going. And then there's going to be something in life that happens Mm -hmm. and it's going to force you to stop. Yeah. And look, (laughs) I've had that for my life and I know you have too. Um, Can we talk a little bit about what happens if you don't take the space and time? Like how does life serve you up the lessons you need? Um, you've, you've come through a lot of, Mm -hmm. and you've had to draw on a lot of great inner resources to Mm -hmm. do that. And I would just love to explore that conversation a little bit. Yes. You know, I, I think like I'm making this running list of things that they don't teach you in school and that your parents may not have, you know, it's, it's not to blame them at all. It's like, you can't teach what you don't yourself know. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm making this running list of things I want my daughter to know. And so many of them are things that we learn the hard way, mm-hmm. right? That there are things that um, nobody told us and, or, you know, weren't emphasized. And, and then when you know them, you realize how powerful they are in terms of living your life, you know, forget work, forget family, forget all those components, but just being in your life and living it um, and leading yourself through your life, you know? And, for me, I think, um, you know, you sort of alluded to the very significant um, upheaval, I would call it, that happened in my life, which was when I was 30. My husband, who was my high school sweetheart, he became very suddenly critically ill and was in the ICU for four months, uh, like on his deathbed. Um And it was so shocking and so um, confusing and um, was sort of a very acute situation where I realized everything had now changed forever, but it didn't stop there. So he, by the, when he was able to come out of the hospital, he was um, not back to normal. He had a, a chronic condition that we knew wasn't going to really improve. Right. So it was something that we just had to live with. And we also knew that he was not going to 
um, live into his old age. We were not going to be planning, you know, retirement together. That was not happening. Right. Um, and so what is it like to live like that, right? In your thirties in your, the prime of your life, right? Mm -hmm. When you're like looking around and your friends are going on adventures and maybe buying their first home, maybe thinking about having kids, all these things that you think about in your thirties, those were sort of all in the back burner for us. Right. And, um, I think it's then that, you know, I spoke about the voice that I followed when I was younger, but, but without being aware of it. Right. And I think that the awareness around that voice came during this time because yeah. it was at this time that I really started looking for answers. Like, how do I look at this situation? How do I get through this? Like, I know that falling apart is an option, like absolutely, but I don't want, I feel like there's got to be another way. I think that's when I really started listening to what are the answers that are already within me. And not to say that anybody does it alone, right? You, you hear those, you hear the answers and then they draw you towards certain things, towards certain support or the, the right book or, you know, whatever it is that you may need. Um, but you realize that you do have an inner guidance system that will help you get through this. And I only wish that I knew that, you know, years before. Really, I think anyone could listen to this and say, you know, how often am I tuning out? Because maybe I'm the inner critic is running wild. Mm. The comparison loops in my mind are running wild. Yeah. And all that is just kind of crowding or like, you know, shutting down the frequency for us to really be able to listen mm -hmm. to the whispers. Mm -hmm. It's so loud. Yes. Back to the space, yeah. giving yourself space. Yes. What daily routines do you put into your daily life and practice, whether it's for yourself or with your family? I know you're a mother. Mm -hmm. um, how do you kind of incorporate this into your life? So for me, I give myself space first thing in the morning mm -hmm. and it's a little bit of a non-negotiable, but at the same time, when you are a mom, you have to be flexible, yeah. right? So that's one of the things that I try to help women with is to understand that this isn't about being perfect. It's not putting another thing on your to-do list that like you're going to feel bad if you don't do it the way you said you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, so in my ideal situation, I wake up before my daughter. I do not look at my phone. I have my coffee. I read something inspiring. That's, you know, it's sort of a way of like, for me, um, implanting first thing in my mind, something that uplifts me. Yeah. And then I do a meditation, um, movement daily, even if it's just a walk, mm -hmm. you know, I think again, not overcomplicating it. Um, and then at night, what I do with my daughter is we play a sort of like the three best things of the day and the oh, one difficult a, thing. I love that exercise. Yeah. Oh, and the one difficult and thing. And the one difficult That's thing. really part, important part of the exercise. Yeah, because then we like highlight all the wonderful things, but then we get a chance to talk through anything that did feel difficult. And, and it sort of allows like this time to maybe focus on something and how can we look at it differently or how can we process it? Um, so we do that. And then I have a bit of a journaling exercise that I do at night as well, too. There's something that you said, I think that's so profound. It's like, how do we process it? Mm -hmm. And so that's a really important exercise. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's, I don't think it's talked about enough. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about even this kind of topic that you bring about in your work, which is really the next version of you mm -hmm. transformation. Uh, 
when people are on the cusp of that, I think mm -hmm. they feel it. What are the signs that people are in that season of change in their life? <laughs> I think it's when that whisper becomes louder and yeah. more nagging and, and this voice is just getting so loud and what do I do with it? And I think that's really a sign and I have been there, you yes, know, I yes. know what that feels like. Yes. And it's almost like the tears are just sort of on the surface and you feel like anything could almost trigger them because you just like feel this almost like this bursting feeling, you yeah. know? And yeah. I honestly think it's the best thing ever. It's like you coming alive, you know? As long as you recognize that that's yes. where you are. Yes, exactly. And it's so easy to confuse that you're there yes. with something else. Yes, true. So how can people confuse the moment? Like when do they know they're actually in the season of change? And then yeah. what do they tell themselves to kind of deny it or kind of confuse uh, where they actually are. I think the first thing that people say to diminish it is that I'm having a midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. And you know, women in their thirties can say this too, right? You'll yeah. hear that sort of term. So I'm having- I think a... I was saying it in tw at 25 yeah, because I yeah. had so many chapters That's of That's right. Quarter yes. life crisis. Yes, yes. I've heard that too. Yes. And I think that like my whole, you know, one of the things I talk about so much is how you position something, yes. right? And how you perceive something. And for me, we need to strike the word crisis and um, replace it with the word awakening, because I think it is sort of our next level of awakening, right? And right. we are waking up to something, this like, this knowing, this remembering that There's we have. something else happening yes. inside of you. Yeah, exactly. And you are waking up to that. Yeah. And so it will lead you to a higher place instead of causing you to spiral and think like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just be happy with what I have? You know, instead it's like, no, I'm like growing now. This is like a growth spurt. For me, it has also been, uh, being okay, knowing that there's really positive things on the other side, because mm -hmm. it can feel like, I can't see anything. I don't yeah. know where this is going. Yes. Where am I supposed to be? And so like you're in a bit of that uh, nebulous, undefined mm -hmm. space, mm -hmm. um, but starting to embrace that feeling because you know that's what real transformation feels like versus just moving the deck chairs around in your life. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I call that the magic of the unknown mm -hmm. is like this, the, it's also, you know, called a liminal space, this place where, um, you aren't there yet, but, you, and you, you haven't quite left where you're, where you were and you haven't quite figured out where you're going. And in, you're in this sort of transitory space. Um, but again, it's how we perceive it. And mm -hmm. I think that if we can look at it as this space where possibilities are endless, right? And yes, there's fear around that, mm -hmm. but if we can lean into, but what magic could happen here, if we can lean into that, then it keeps our eyes open for those, you know, little nuggets of wisdom or for that person we should talk to, or for that idea that we should pursue or that article we should read, yes. you know, it just yes. sort of leads us down this like lovely path with, um, like hidden treasures and hidden uh, messages along the way. What are some critical things that people have to do to evolve into that next version of themselves? And where do you take people in some of your work with them? You know, unpacking what you really want is sort of that first step, right? And mm -hmm. so what's your first answer that comes to your mind? And oftentimes, 
that answer isn't actually what you really, really want. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's oftentimes what you think you should want, okay. right? Or it's what you think you can have, you know, like what you think is what your value, you. where your value lies. Yes. Whether where, it's money. Yes. Career. Exactly. It's like your baseline. It's what your you baseline. Think. What you like, and it, and it's rooted in your beliefs. Like if it's a relationship, it could be, I just want somebody who has a decent job. Period. Right. That's good enough for me. You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. So an example. Yeah. I don't love that outcome. I love that example because <laughs> yes. we can all relate to that one. That's right. And yeah. so I think, um, you know, unpacking what you really want is sort of that first step, right? And that involves taking time for yourself, reflecting on your life, reflecting on your values, um, on what's important to you. And that again, coming back to how do I want to feel, right? And so if your answer is, well, in a relationship, for example, I want to feel inspired and I want to feel um, like I'm constantly growing with this other person, then having a baseline that he has a steady job might not quite be serving you, right? It could be the beginning. It's yes. not the whole thing. That's right. That's yes. right. Yes. And so getting clear on yes. what you want is the first thing. And then the second thing is, um, you know, we use that, we've talked about that example about somebody maybe just not needing to leave their job, but really just wanting to show up differently or wanting to show up as their authentic self in that job. So some of that involves confidence, right? And I think we have learned to feel confident in certain areas of our life. Yeah. But I think just having confidence in who we are is a different thing, right? And so the second step that we would work on is building up your confidence. And to me, that is about having trust in yourself right? and believing in yourself. Those are sort of the two, you know, trust and belief. Those are the foundational components, the foundational of, components of confidence. Of confidence. Yeah. It's not about like having all the answers or being excellent at something. Um, you know, to me, that's not what confidence is. Confidence right. is like, I can trust myself to figure this out. I can trust that I will find the resources I need to do this, right? Um, and belief. I believe in me. Like, you know, with literally no caveats, I believe in me and I believe that I can create this life that I want, or I can be the person that I want to be. I can have the relationship that I want to have, you know, and then the next step is courage because right. we need to take action. Right. And so the sort of next steps can sometimes come pretty fast and furious. Right. I call them like inspired nudges. Right. Where you get this little nudge and this little idea and we get them all the time. And we often just ignore them. But what if you were to actually listen to those as if they were instructions, right? Like what if you were to be like, oh, I got this like little nudge to reach out to this friend, right? Or to, or talk to this person. Even if you gave yourself two weeks on that experiment. Yes, and exactly. Like, I don't have to See live my happens. life. That's it's right. just like, I'm going to live, I'm going to use two weeks and I'm going to run that experiment. That's right. Yes. It's very cool experiment to yes. run. Yes. And it is interesting to connect the dots later because you can never, you can never know where it's going to lead you. Yes. But I think if you look back on any sort of 
you know, magical time in your life where there were serendipities, you know, it could be how you met your partner or how you found your dream job or whatever it is, you'll connect the dots and be like, none of that was straightforward. It was like, I got this nudge to, you know, go into this coffee shop or whatever it may be. Um, But we only see those in hindsight. So Mm -hmm. we tend to minimize the importance of that. I love that. So everyone listening should just run that experiment for two weeks in their life. Totally. Document it all, write yes. it all down. And tell us. Tell and us. tell us and comment and tell us what happened. Yes. And what unfolded. Mm-hmm. What could people start just if there's one reflection question they could put in their journal? What would that reflection question be? My favorite is what do I want? What do I want? And and you know, it's like we said that experiment of doing it for two weeks. I like for two weeks, every single night or every single morning, whichever one you're more likely to do, yeah. ask it again. What do I want? And then the next day, what do I want? Because I guarantee you, it is like peeling the layers of an onion Yeah. and what you say on the first day and what you say on day 14, the, the oh, depth, it changes, a it lot. changes, it changes and it goes deeper. Okay. And so you get the tip is it. you have to write it down. Yes. You have to write it you down. You have to write it down. Don't ask yourself. Don't okay. just like think it in your head. I think that's where I've been caught up because yes. I've been, you know, I dream yes. in my head. No, no. You must pen you to paper, to write, okay. pen to paper. And ideally... Yeah actually pen to paper, not on your laptop, because there are studies that show that writing with your hand is, um, it creates like a heart to mind connection. Right. And, um, so write it with a pen and paper. Okay. So the tip is every day, morning or night. Yeah. Your choice. Yeah. Write with a pen. Yes. Uh, it will evolve. You'll see everything change Mm -hmm. through the 14 day experiment. Yes. And then the second tip is going to be follow the nudge. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Like even it's like, Oh, I feel like going, I Saturday morning for some reason, I feel like ordering a different coffee today. Yes. Whatever the nudge is. Do it. Also, it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. It's so much fun to live life from that. Like, place of just following your whims, you know, it's, <laughs> we need more fun. I, I love it. <laughs> we have covered a lot of grounds from the backdrop of people's lives, how they make big change in their lives, where we get caught, the adversity along the way, the recognition of being in the space of change and transformation. But I feel like this last piece of just really having the blueprint of those mm-hmm. three things that you talked about and those two takeaways, mm-hmm. this is I'm so excited for people to have this experience. I'm so glad that (laughs) I was introduced to you. Thank you for coming. Thank Thank you you for being with us. Thank you. We're going to put this out and we're going to have everyone comment and like and share. And I I just, I'm I'm imagining, so here's my vision Mm -hmm. of what I think might happen is just, this just becomes a collection of people being able to listen to something, but make meaningful change. Like mm-hmm. after this podcast, yes, I um, love that. and even if it's just a talk, mm-hmm. you know, I find myself sometimes listening to things or reading books, but I don't integrate anything. Yes. And I really want people to kind of integrate the wisdom that you're bringing forward and through this discussion. And, and more importantly, once they do hearing all about it and hearing about the fantastic things that unfold for people in their lives. So thank you for being here and sharing all this with us. Thank you, Jen. It was so much fun. 